Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome this morning. Good morning, Light City Church. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. What an amazing, wonderful, awesome God we serve. Okay, I, I feel so emotional this morning coming back into what feels like home to me. This is my second home. I have a home church. Uh, Terry is one of our, our, our house prophets in my home church that I go to. And I'm thankful for the Lord to have her travel with me right now. And it wasn't supposed to happen. They were supposed to have been on vacation with their family. But the Lord just worked it all out so she could be with us this weekend. I have already had the most wonderful, amazing time with you guys on Friday night and then I met with the leadership. I requested to meet with them because the reason why is everything is moving. You guys have really entered a fast lane. You know, I guess you have these kind of lanes in, in Canada, but they're high occupancy vehicle travel lanes that go on the, the highway. and. They have it open to where you can go at a higher speed and get to where you need to go. And there's not that many that take that, uh, that particular lane in our states. And uh, that's the lane that you guys are on. Yeah. Uh, you're on a lane that people are going to have to move over and get out of your way because you're hitting the high octane season. Amen. And so we talked on Friday night and we talked about how you are in a season that if there's any area of your life that you're stuck in, that God wants to unstuck you. He wants to bring you out into open waters. And so to speak, the vision that I saw was we were stuck in like ice. Our ships were like just stuck in, in ice and we couldn't move. And so we plowed, you know, in the spirit with the word of God. And then the Lord came and broke us free. If you didn't get that, you need to get that because it is not the heart of the father for any of you to be stuck in anything this year. It's going to be a fast moving, purposeful uh, move with the Lord in the spirit this year. Um, I was trying to figure out when I wanted to share this was the beginning or the end, but I, I had Lizzie stay with me because I want to share it and I want you to stay with me on the keyboard while I share this portion. You know, when you do all of your preparing, and you do all of the things that you do to get ready to go minister to someone or to a, a place. You know, you have all this preparing that you do to get the word of God. To, you know, that, that's always my heart is I want to come with the word fresh from the altar of the Father. I always ask the Lord, if you were standing in the pulpit, what would you address the people with and what would you say to the people? It is, I've always have had that in me that it is important for me to come with his words and not my own not come with the sermon that preached real good last Sunday and I want to preach it out again because it was so good last Sunday you know I don't want uh, to me that's old manna and what worked then is not going to work here you know and so I always over prepare if, if anything if you would and getting that proper and right word from the Lord for those seasons and so, you know, I hope you're okay with the way that I'm going to tell you how it all came about, but I'm just going to step in the water and I'm going for it. So I got finished preparing and getting, you know, the three words that uh, the Lord was going to send me with, with you guys. And I wanted to forget about the words for a moment, you know, because, you know, when you study, 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 your mind is all in it with your spirit. But I just wanted my spirit in a place with the Lord. And so my place, my worship place, is I have a huge garden tub, and it's one of the things when we got the home that we got uh, four years ago, I, I purposely wanted it for the bathroom because that's my worship place. Everybody has a place, 
and that is mind. And then um, over my tub, I had uh, some pretty lettering made over my tub that says, you are my hiding place. And it is in the natural and it is in the spiritual. It is the place that I run to, to go to just be with the Lord and hide with Him. It's where I close the rest of the world off and I just sat down to be with the Lord. Well, this was about two Sundays ago from today. And it had rained all weekend. Um, it rained Saturday, it rained Sunday. And so now it's the evening time and I'm thinking, I just want to refresh in His presence. So I bring my cell phone because I wanted uh, to get into playing some music and I, I brought, did not bring my Bible, didn't bring anything because it was about him at that moment. And when I go to get in the tub, I promise you, I don't know what it is about our property. We, it gets because we, we have some wooded area on our property. Every frog in Texas was in my yard. It was ridiculous how loud they were croaking. I mean, to the point to where you were like, are you joking? Are you joking? It was ridiculous. They were resounding with everything in them, croaking all together. And, and it's like, I just wanted to sit and listen to it for a moment. And I didn't really know why. I didn't want to turn the music on. I didn't even want to get into prayer yet. I just wanted to hear creation resound for just a moment. And I sat there for three or four minutes and I listened to it. And all of a sudden, tears started flowing. And I said, Father, if a people would cry out for the rain, like I hear these frogs crying out for the rain, oh my God, Lord, what could you do with the people like that? And the Lord said, stop. He said, you don't have it right. I said, okay. I said, that's not why the frogs are, frogs are croaking. They're not calling for more rain. He said, no. So I got my phone and I Googled it. And I said, why do frogs croak when the rain comes? And it said this, because that is their mating season. They know that it's at that season that their real estate just really got broader to lay out their eggs and for them to mate and, and have a place for the eggs, you know, to be birthed and all that kind of stuff. And I closed my phone up and I heard the Lord begin to minister to me. And he said, Kathy, he said, if I could only but find a people that called on me as their lover, they didn't care about what I did when I brought my rain. Yes, they want the miracles. Yes, they want the signs and wonders. But if they would just want me above all and that they wouldn't cry out just for more of the little bit of taste that they've got when they were in my glory, but they really just wanted me. He said, do you know what I could do with the people? He said, because Kathy, the whole thing is this. They're going to get the rain. They're going to get the miracles. They're going to get the signs and the wonders that they're believing me for. But he said, I only am looking for a people that wants me first and then wants that to come because as a result of getting me. This church has that. You guys are there. I sat in that worship and all I could do was just cry tears for the Lord. That you honor him the way that you do in your worship. Listening to the songs of crying out for Father and, and talking about how He loves us and how we love Him. That's what He's looking for, is a connection with the people, with Him. 
And you know what's going to happen? Is everything, everything that God has promised, He's prophesied to you on a personal level. He's prophesied to y'all corporately as a church. You're going to get all of that because you are seeking Him above all of the, the overflow and, and all the other things that comes with it. But isn't that what His scripture says? Seek you first the kingdom. Seek you first the Almighty God and doing His will and His ways. Put it all for Him and do it all for Him. And then I'll add all these things unto you. The worship is right. The worship is ripe and right for the miracles of God. And it's not about just us getting into the house of God and feeling good. And saying, oh, I got my healing. Or, oh, I've been praying for the Holy Ghost forever and a day and I got filled. God wants that for us. But He doesn't want us to stop there. Because there is a world that deserves what we're locking up in the house of God. They deserve it out there. And God wants us to be a carrier of, of His glory. To take what He's doing in here and move it out those doors. And that's the only way we will dam up the river is if we don't release it and let it go. Listen, I stood here the other night before I got ready to minister. And I felt so full in my spirit before I got up to release it. And I said to the Lord, I said, how do I let all of this of you go? I want all of you to go. He said, trust me and I will. I said, I do. I trust you. Let all of you that I stored up, let you go. I let you go. I won't dam up this river. I won't lock you down. I won't limit you, but I will let you go and be the God of who you want to be to your people. That's why I'm here these couple of days with you. And so whatever my little small portion is to you, because there are so many facets that God is laying out for you guys because you are important to Him in this season. Listen, I didn't come to make your heads get fat with pride, but I came to speak truth. God has good things in store for you, but you have to make sure you keep your feet on the right path to fulfill what God has for you this year. And if you will walk it out, I promise you, everything God has prophesied to you, you will watch it come to pass as the prophet has spoken over us earlier. This is a year, God says, for this house, it shall fulfill destinies. There are still destinies. You have not got to your zenith moment yet. You know what a zenith is? A zenith is the highest place that an object can go. Like at noontime, the highest place the sun can go to is at noontime. We have, none of us have reached our zenith moment for the kingdom of heaven yet. But guess what? We are on our way. We are on our way. Our 12 o'clock noon time for the church is coming. It is coming. And I say keep pressing and the things that you know to do that is God and it's right. Do it with all of your heart and all of your might. Amen. I love you guys. I, I am so excited to come and share the word. And I'm going to get into the word and I'll probably shorten a little bit. Because, you know, sometimes you don't even need it as much as you study. You just need to sometimes just release and start letting go of that word and then let God do what he wants to do with it. Because I, it was important for Terry to come and say and do things that she did today. Amen. Hallelujah. I'll let you go, Miss Liz. Thank you so much. Love you, baby girl. But I am so proud of you guys as a church. I want to thank the pastors again for 
for putting the trust in the Lord that I serve and allowing me to come and be a part of speaking into your lives. It means a lot to me, and I don't take that lightly at all, and I know you don't either. I know that you know this couple enough to know they're not going to let just anyone come stand and address you because they love you, because they're good pastors, and they look over their people, and they're not going to let a wolf in sheep's clothing come stand behind this pulpit and address you. And for that, I know that about you and appreciate that about you, and thank you so much for the uh, invitation of Terry and I coming. I want to thank my precious lady that has served us so well and thank the ones that have brought us gifts and you have made us feel so special and the gift room, you know, the, the basket in the, in the rooms and all the stuff that has been done. There is such a spirit of excellency that's on your pastors and it's on you guys as well. And we feel the love and we feel the honor and we thank you so much for it. So the word that I have today is, is that... Um, because of the prophetic season, um, you are really in a very, very strong cycle of fulfilling prophetic destiny. Uh, you as a people, you as a church, amen? And so because of that, um, the Lord said it's very, very important that this is the year, and this is what I titled my message. It says, do whatever he tells you to do. Do whatever he tells you to do. Look at someone today and say, do whatever he tells you to do. And so uh, we know with, with Saul, with King Saul, that he really got into some major trouble with the Lord, amen, because of disobedience. So this is a year, uh, a season to really obey the Lord in even the smallest detail of things that he tells us to do, amen. And so, Father, we just want to come to you and we want to thank you first for everything you've already done in the house of just bringing your presence to us and allowing us to taste and see that you're good. Father, I pray over the people today. I pray that you would not just give them ears to hear, but Father, I pray that your word would sink deep into their spirits and that this would help propel them with a new momentum to just obey you because out of the obedience, it's going to cause them to advance and move into places in the spirit that are going to transcend time. It's going to cause them to uh, even move uh, beyond processes that normally take time. And so, Father, I thank you today for your word. I pray that you would help me articulate it in a way that they can understand it, they can receive it, and they can sense that is you the one doing the speaking. Lord, I love you with all of my heart. You are the greatest treasure of my life, and I thank you that you dwell and live inside this earthen vessel. I would be nothing and no one without you, but I can do all things in you and by your power. And so I honor you today with my gift of love and my gift of thanksgiving to you. You are the greatest treasure of all, and I thank you for it. Amen. Amen. So. I'm going to read, um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, but it's not, not really a place I'm going to stay at long. But I'm going to read to you out of 1 Samuel, um, ver, uh, chapter 15, verse 22, 23. So it says, And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. And so we look in the life of Saul, and obviously 
what the Lord was requiring of him was very important because it cost him everything because he didn't obey it. And so with looking at him being rejected as king because he didn't obey the word, we can also look at it in a flip way. And we could say that if he had obeyed, it would have caused advancement of some type to come to him. Although he was already king, something grand and something great would have happened for him because it was that important to God that God removed him. It would have been that important to God if he would have obeyed it that God would have advanced him. Okay? So because of this year that you guys are in and God is calling you to walk in obedience, this is what the Lord says to you. It says his glory is going to rise in you this year you are going to over the next year and a half you are going to walk out a place with the lord that his glory is going to intensify in you as individuals and as a church together and you're going to see it rise and rise and rise some more now that just you know you hate to use the terminology, blows my mind, because that was the terminology from the 60 from drugs, so I don't really want to use that and say that, but it makes my mind go, <laughs> because I cannot imagine, because of the worship that is already here, and, and what I feel whenever we're here, I feel such glory and presence of the Lord in here. For me, I can't even imagine it rising higher, but I'm here to tell you, we have not even began to experience what God is getting ready to do. And so, you know, I haven't really thought much about the snow that's here while we've been here and everything, but during worship, and the Lord says, well, he said, I've let you, let you watch it snow three times and you missed it all three times. I said, okay. I said, then tell me what I've not seen yet. I love that. Wow. And uh, he said, uh, Okay, so I have, to, I have to take a moment, I have to tell you a story. So we, uh, there is one of the major prophets that uh, is over America that we recognize as one of our major prophets. They were having a prophetic round table many years ago. It's probably been, I'm gonna guess and say maybe seven years ago or something like that. And uh, in this prophetic round table, all the prophets had joined together to hear the word of the Lord about what God was saying to the church at that season because we were getting ready. Um, you know, we had just rode over into a new year. So it's like I think it was in the month of uh, February. And one of the prophet's wives had had a dream. And in the dream, the Lord had spoke with her and told her that there was going to be a move in a region that would hit America. And this move would be a, the revival that God was getting ready to birth in. And it would come in from that region and it would go all over the United States. And uh, so he told her, he said, you'll know the region. He said, because on Rosh Hashanah of this year, he said, I'm going to send a hurricane to that region. And he said, that's going to be to illuminate that, you know, that I'm going to release my glory to that particular region. And we, in my region, uh, I was part of a board. Uh, we had a five-fold uh, ministry board that we governed our region with. You know, many times when we get in trouble is, it's because we don't have anyone to govern when a revival comes. And so we start getting flaky with it, and then God has to shut it all down. You know, we start getting silly with it, and, you know, anything and everything goes type stuff. We've got, you know, people barking like dogs and people translating, and it just gets weird, flaky, and crazy. And so we, we had been believing God 
for a move in our area and stuff. And uh, so we, we had a governed board of the five-fold minister, ministry team, and um, I was the prophetess on the, one of the prophets on the board. And uh, so we get word about, about this particular word that uh, Wanda Davis is her name, that she had the dream. And uh, we didn't really think much about it because we didn't really think we were the, the region. And, uh, well, we, we did and we didn't. You know what I mean? It's we, we felt it, but yet, you know, God hadn't spoke to us kind of a thing. So um, on Rosh Hashanah, uh, we go to bed the, the eve of, and there was a storm in the Gulf of Mexico, but it wasn't a hurricane. It was uh, a tropical storm. And so we found out it was coming to our region, but it wasn't what she dreamed about. It was a tropical storm. So we're not really thinking that much about it. Well, in the middle of the night, about 1 o'clock in the morning, it turned into a Category 1 hurricane, and no one saw it coming. Not even the weather people saw it coming. And so we begin to have a group of prophets and apostles start coming to our region, looking for roads to come in to preach in churches and stuff because they knew that they needed to come help our region out because obviously God spoke that our region would be the one that would get this birthing in of whatever God is going to do. So uh, about two years went by, you know, from, from that happening, and... Uh, it's, um, I think it's December the 10th, around December the 10th, I'm having this prayer time with the Lord. And I said, and I'm just crying, thinking about, you know, revival. Why do I want revival? I want revival because I want souls saved. I don't want souls to go to hell. I feel that miracle signs and wonders, yes, they're for the church, but they're more for the lost than they are for the church. When you look at the book of Acts, you see that they're more things for the world than they are for us. It's like the lure. It's like fishing. It's like the lure. Or it's like casting the net and then the net pulling it in. It's the signs, the, the uh, wonders and the miracles. And so I was sitting there and I was praying to the Lord and I said, you know, Father, are you really going to do this in our area? Are you really going to do all of this in our area? And I said, Lord, if you're going to do it in our area, then I'm asking you to show me. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, how do you want me to show it? And I said, it's never rained. I mean, it's never snowed ever, ever, ever here, ever in my entire life in the month of December. And so I'm asking you to do the impossible and let it snow in my region before Christmas this year. Can I tell you, two days later, no one saw it coming, not even the weather people. But we woke up the next morning and everything was covered with as much snow as we see out here today. And all I could do was weep and rejoice, weep and rejoice, weep and rejoice. I had people calling my phone all day long because when they, they knew it was something prophetic, that everyone felt it. It, it. You just had this feeling that it was a refreshing over the area and it just felt that God was speaking in it. And people are calling me all day long and said, the Lord said, you know why the snow is here. He said to call you and you would tell us why the snow is here. I said, it's proof. It's his confirmation. We will see the revival. And so we're still waiting for the revival. And so the same beautiful snow I woke up to on that day, I wake up to it today. And during worship, the Lord says, I've sent the sign of revival to this land so you could see it with your eyes and you can tell the people. Why does he do it? To prove it to us with snow rather than rain? Because rain comes and goes. Rain just comes and washes down the, down the drains and it just goes somewhere. 
Snow, if the atmospheric conditions are right, can stay for an entire season. It can stay for a long time if it doesn't warm up enough or it doesn't, you know, rain or do other things that washes it away or causes it to melt. And, and so I'm here to tell you, I don't know if you believe in it. It doesn't matter to me if you do, but I do. And I know God is speaking through the snow while we are here. And he is saying, I've covered this region with a blanket of promise to tell them revival is coming to this house and to this territory, to this region in Jesus' name. Amen. And so I, I, I said all that to just prove my point that his glory is going to rise. It's going to go higher in us than we can ever imagine. And so it's a season to see the vision that God has for you as a church, to listen to what your leadership saying to you about this year. Why does God have leadership come to share about the year or different things? It's so everyone is on the same page because it's the oneness that calls on Acts chapter 2, for the Holy Ghost to fall. It was when they all were in one accord. They were all in one agreement. They were all on the same page, believing for the same thing, and it happened. Can you imagine what God can do with your house when everyone gets rid of all forms of fear, like she prayed against today, all forms of fear? And Because if you don't get rid of fear, then you'll never take the risk. You will never step out and take risks for God. And you will never do anything great for God unless you become a risky person. Because let me tell you something. I, one of the things I know as being a prophetic person for the Lord is, is that where the anointing is, is on the flimsy, uh, small little limbs that hang off the tree. On the very end of, not on the part that's up against the trunk that's sturdy, that's weighty. It's God, God makes you walk on the very flimsy uh, parts of the branches that hang off of the big, huge limbs of the tree. Amen. And so you have to learn to take risk for God to do great things in your life. Praise God. Amen. Which is one of the things that was great that she addressed today. So I want us to take a few minutes to, to and I'm going to try to go through it really fast. So I'm going to try to hang with my notes a little bit this morning, just so I can stay on point for the rest of the service and we can talk about it. But I want us to look at some of the small things that the Lord did and talk about maybe why he did it the way that he did it, okay? So we understand that when God is asking for small things, God is not going to ask anything of us if there's not purpose in it. If he's asking, there's a purpose. It doesn't matter if we know it, if we see it, there's purpose in it, amen? And so I'm going to read out of uh, John chapter 2 and start in verse 1, and we're going to talk about the first miracle of Jesus. It said, on the third day, there was a wedding at Canaan in Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding and his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not come. His, his mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Look at your neighbor again and say it. Do whatever he tells you to do. And it says that now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish uh, riots to, of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. 
When the master of the feast tasted the water, now they become one, but he did not know where it came from, although the servant who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom, and he said to them, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first of the signs that Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his what? His glory and his disciples believed him. So the first thing that I want to take a look at for just a moment here is the very first miracle that Jesus did was done at a wedding. Um, I want to tell you the last miracle that we will see the Lord do for us when, when all of this is said and done, somewhere down the future, down the road, somewhere, according to Revelation chapter 19, verse 6, it says that there's going to come a day that we are going to stand before the Lord and we are going to be his bride and we are going to be at a wedding and it's going to be our wedding to where we are at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And the greatest miracle that we're going to watch him do is when he takes our mortality and he turns it into immortality at that moment that we stand before him to be his bride. So the first miracle we'll watch him do and the, the last miracle we'll watch him do will be at a wedding. It said, um, why would Jesus or why would the father, I'll say it this way, why would the father have picked the third day of this wedding to do something? Because the Lord was trying to illuminate the third day. It was very important for the third day to be illuminated. The Jews will teach that most, most Jewish people will pick the third day of the week to have a wedding on. The reason that they pick the third day of the week to have a wedding on is because they believe the third day of the week is the most anointed day of the week because it has a double blessing on it. The reason it has a double blessing on it is found in Genesis chapter 1 verse 10 and Genesis chapter 1 verse 12. On the day of creation, when Father, the Son, and Holy Ghost were creating creation, and, and the Lord, on the third day, he separated the waters, but also on the third day, he created trees and vegetation. And so each time he created them, he looked at it and said, it is good. Or in some translations, it'll say, it is blessed. So twice on the third day, the third day was blessed out of the mouth of the Father. So therefore, a lot of times the Jews pick the third day of the week instead of days like we would pick on a weekend because they believe that it's a double blessed day. And so it's on the third day of this wedding that the Lord decides to illuminate the third day. What is another reason he would illuminate the third day? Because the most popular third day ever is that on the third day, Jesus would rise from the dead and come with resurrection power. Amen. And so God is illuminating purpose of the third day. So here we have Mary. And this has always had been something a little touchy to me. You know, how on earth... Did she get him to do what he did when he seemed so dead against doing it? He said, it's, you know, woman, it's, you know, it's not my season. It's not my time. It's not my moment, uh, you know, for my kairos to come forward of letting my glory out there. But how, what was it about her that caused him to go on and do it anyway? Well, <laughs> I'll tell you why. The kingdom of heaven runs on faith, okay? Her faith executed it. She wouldn't back down. 
She stood at him and she never, she didn't take no for the answer. As a matter of fact, she didn't even acknowledge that he said no to her. It says she turned and said, do whatever he says do. Could you imagine the Lord standing there? <laughs> She's doing this, you know? I mean, I just, I just, it's just crazy stuff. And so if the kingdom of heaven, if we get the kingdom of heaven moving out of our faith, then could it be possible that because of fear, we get the kingdom of hell moving in the same negative manner against what God is trying to do when we let fear come? Maybe that's why God talks so much about fear in Scripture and gives us the antidote for fear because we can't do what we need to do. We can't be who we need to be as long as there are fear factors that are going on in our life and the Lord wants hell shut down, locked down without being, having a road in to operate in. And our fear gives the enemy the road to come operate in our lives and bring the opposite of what God is trying to do for us in this season so it is a must that we lose all forms of fear and she had no idea what I was preaching I have been preaching some of my sermons to her before I came because my cup was so full and you gotta you gotta have those little release vows you know and we'd be and I did to them even when we went out to dinner I said oh I gotta tell you this one part <laughs> and so I think I did that two or three times I didn't give them much but just a little little shot about leadership what we talked about yesterday so um so here's the thing with the mind. The mind works like a projector. If things hit the mind, the mind's going to amplify it. And, and here's the bad thing is, is if we choose what it amplifies, it's our choice. We're either going to let it amplify the word of God, the promises of God, or we're going to let it amplify the problem. You know, and so we're either going to look to God and look to him as the solution over everything that's being thrown in my life right now. Or we're going to believe that my father's got this and he's going to be who I'm going to amplify and tell my mind, you will amplify this. I shut down this image. You know, one of the things he said to us in the leadership yesterday is watch for optical illusions. Watch for false images that the enemy is trying to place in your mind in this season that is not of God. Amen? And so you have to take control of your mind and tell it, no, you're not magnifying that in my mind. What's going to be magnified in, in this projector of my mind is the word of God. And God says this about that. Amen? So faith will cause you to take risk for God. The word faith, you can't find it in the dictionary anywhere, but it spells risk. Amen? God celebrates risk. He does not celebrate success in the way that we think that he does. You know, if, if uh, let's just talk about Noah for a moment. Uh, God told Noah to go out and build an ark. And while he's building an ark, told him to preach the gospel, preach, you know, preach the, you know, whatever he, he preached. I don't know what he preached. The Bible doesn't really tell us a lot what he preached. In other words, probably repent and get right. And uh, he doesn't get anyone saved. So does God look at him as a failure? Hey, it's a pretty risky thing to get out there and start building a boat when it's never rained a drop on the face of the earth. People laughed at him, thought he was cuckoo. You know, and I don't know if you've ever gone to Branson, you've ever watched the production, Noah. Shoo, dear Lord, Jesus. I wanted to intercede. I wanted to cry aloud. When they shut the ark door and people were crying, I'm like, oh, God in heaven. I, I just wanted to bawl and just intercede for people. It was horrible. But what did God look at with Noah? Did he look at him as a failure because no one 
decided to get on the boat with him? No, God knew. God knew ahead of time that they were never going to get on the boat. But here's the thing with our God. Our God is a loving father. He is a caring father. He wishes that no man would perish, but that every man would come into him because he is the ark. He is the place of safety. He is the place of salvation and restoration for us all. And so did he, he looked at Noah and celebrated with Noah because Noah took the risk for the Lord. And so it, don't look for God to celebrate with you out of certain successes and, and, and you feel like nothing is happening. You know, you, we get so afraid that we're not hearing from God. And so it keeps us from taking the risk that we need to take because of our fear, because we're so afraid uh, that we're going to miss God. Let me tell you something about our God. I, what, our, uh, what our Lord is looking for in us is, is he's looking for a people that will just feel like they're obeying. Do you think that if you thought you heard God tell you to go to someone and hug them and say, I, I feel like you're having a bad day and the Lord wants me to pray for you because he said to tell you that he loves you. And then that person says, oh, I'm having a great day. Well, you may feel stupid to the person, but can I tell you, you just, you just made huge brownie points with the Lord because what you felt like God said to you, you still shifted to try to obey it and you didn't allow fear to hold you back. It's risky to get out there. It's risky if you feel you heard a word from God and you try to get out there and what if that word is wrong? Well, what if it's right? And what if you're going to bring deliverance to a person? One of the things we talked about yesterday was what the anointing does is it is a problem solver. It's a problem solver, amen? And we have to take the risk that we feel like God has given us and we have to move out of that and move out of fear. And guess what? You may miss him sometimes, but I bet you nine out of 10 times, you are not going to miss him and you will be right with the very thing that you do. I'd rather be wrong one time and be right nine times than to be wrong all 10 times and not operate because of fear. Woo, okay. So... Dreaming God's dreams is always bigger than we are. It always will require risk. Mary moved a Kairos moment because of her expectation. Can I tell you that expectation, and hear this because this is good, expectation is the womb for manifestation. You can't have manifestation if you don't have the expectation of it. Expectation means you're expecting it. You're not settling for anything but what you're expecting. And that was the thing with Mary. Mary was centered on, 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 the, on that Jesus was going to do this, and she was immovable about it. There are times that the Lord cuts us through the process of time because of our expectation and because of us trusting and believing that we heard from him. Do you understand what happened when Jesus turned that water into wine? Do you understand the process of time that was cut out? We don't think about that part. Do you understand how long it takes to get out there and just get the vines going and get them to the place that they start yielding grapes? He bypassed that season. He didn't have to even wait for the grapes to show up and to get ripe enough and, and then, you know, uh, glean the grapes from the field and then, you know, take the grapes and then press the grapes and then, then you let the grapes go through the whole process of fermentation, which is another time-consuming thing, the fermentation part. But the longest process of all is when it all gets done and it gets bottled, it gets set on the shelf. Because here's the kicker. The longer it sets on the shelf, the better the wine. 
And then they make the statement, this is the best wine that you saved for last, and Jesus made it at one port, it's done. <coughs> he eliminated the process of all time. Our faith will illuminate us the process of time. Why are you guys in this cycle that you're in of this, of this? I keep seeing it as a whirlwind. You're in a prophetic cycling, a moving around uh, of God doing things for your destiny uh, and what he has for you as a church. Another person that moved time was Hezekiah. Remember when Isaiah the prophet goes into Hezekiah and he prophesies, get your stuff in order, you're going to die, you're not going to make it through the sickness? Wouldn't you love for that prophet to show up at your house? Uh, here, brother, here's a fruitcake. <laughs> Go see the people of the road. <laughs> you know, and so he shows up at the house. He prophesies that. And the scripture says that Hezekiah just turns and he faces the wall. And it says he starts conversating with God. I bet you that was a major conversation he was having with God. I grant you that somewhere in that conversation, his expectations started rising up and he started reminding God, but you said I would do this and I haven't done that yet, Father. You can't take me yet. My season's not over, Father. Please let me stay longer and I give you my word, Father. I will get this done. I'll guarantee you something started shifting in that conversation that shifted in Hezekiah, that shifted the heart of God because God changed his mind. And the very prophet, and we're talking not a minor prophet, we're talking about a major prophet. And let me tell you something. Prophets don't like giving a word and watching God change it because then everybody thinks they're a fake, fake prophet and then everybody's ready to stone them to death. Especially in those days. They really stoned them and killed them. Now, wouldn't you like that to have happened to you? And so now God has shifted it for Isaiah. Now, Isaiah's got to go back into Hezekiah and he's got to tell Hezekiah, okay, God said he's going to give you 15 more years. I bet he had a little attitude. God's going to give you 15 more years. You know, because he prophesied that he was going to die, get things in order. And so Hezekiah shifted time, and I grant you, it was because of expectation. Because expectation will cause your Kairos moment to come suddenly. Suddenly. So why would he have picked water? Well, I believe he picked water because of this. Because the father had to show that Jesus was the greatest prophet of all times. Moses was looked at amongst the Jews as one of the greatest prophets ever lived. God even talked about Moses being the greatest prophet. So God had to prove Jesus was the greatest prophet ever alive. And so God had to outdo what, what, what was done with, uh, with Moses. Whenever they had, were getting ready to leave Pharaoh and they had to prove to, to the People, number one, that Moses was really sent by God. The first miracle that Moses does to prove that, that the glory of God is on him, is he turns the water into blood. Why would Jesus then do it with, not blood, but he would do it with wine? It's because wine is the symbol of the messianic blessings of abundant life. It's the high. It's not, it's not like high on dope, but it's get high on life according to the Jews. You know, you get high on life and you live in the abundance of the Lord. Amen. And so I'm not telling you to smoke a doobie. That is, uh, that is not of God. I'm saying get high on the abundance of the Lord in Jesus' name. We're going to have a talk about me when we leave here. <laughs> so uh, that's out of John 10.10 10 that talks about uh, life being at its fullest. So why possibly did the Lord mention that it needed to be six pots? He said, get six pots. Because when man was created, man was created on the sixth day of creation. Jesus died on a Friday. On the Jewish calendar, you have to know their calendar is not our calendar. Well, our calendar is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday. It's, it's all that. That's not their calendar. There's a simple. 
there's just the first day of the week, the second day of the week, the third day of the week, the first day of the week. And so on the sixth day of the week, man was created on the Jewish calendar. Jesus hung on the cross for six hours. There was darkness on the earth from the sixth hour to the ninth hour while Jesus was on the cross. So just as there was three days of darkness in Egypt, there was three hours of darkness while Jesus was on the cross. For the 10th plague, the 10th plague that was, was done uh, through Moses and the Lord was the 10th plague was God sent a plague that the firstborn would die. So God uh, uses his firstborn son to come and have him lay his life down. And he did it then so that, uh, so that people would, uh, uh, would be redeemed and they would be restored. Well, with Jesus, he did it so that they would be redeemed and restored because we know what's going to happen. If they didn't let the people go, then the people were going to continue under the bondage of Egypt and they wouldn't flourish in their new land, okay? So God did it to redeem them. He did it to rescue them. And he, Jesus did it for us, became that firstborn son of the father that went to the cross. Why did he have to die on the cross? Because when man sinned, we took the fruit from the tree and that's how we brought sin in. And so the father takes the fruit of the earth and he puts it back on the tree, the thing that we took, could not put back to be redeemed for. And so he puts the fruit back on the tree. So while he's hanging on the tree, he has a crown of thorns on his head. Why would the crown of thorns be on his head? Because he was still in the process of redeeming the curse of everything that had happened when man fell from creation. What was the curse to the ground that the father spoke whenever man sinned? You know, because we, we forget that when we sin, we don't just bring a sin to ourselves. We bring us into our generation that goes beyond us uh, and, and not only that but we bring us in to the to the to the creation to the land why because we are tied to the ground our DNA came out of the dust. How did God form us? He took the DNA from the dirt and he formed man with it. And so when man sins because our DNA is, is part of that, we cause curse to come to it. And so Jesus takes the crown of thorns on his head to redeem the curse that said that thistles and thorns would grow because of the sin of man. He had, there was purpose in everything and everything that happened. Second Chronicles 7, 14, we know it, we all know it. It's if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, and I will hear from heaven and I will heal their what? Their land. And so we have ties to the land. I mean, you can look at it. I think it's Genesis 4 where it talks about Cain and Abel and, and the brother killing the other brother. And the blood cries out. The scripture says from the ground, he heard the blood crying out. And that's how he knew that the other brother sinned against the other brother was because the ground was crying out. And so the Lord fixes all that and redeems it uh, while Jesus is on the cross. Women, I'm going to address this. Women who are pregnant in this church... I want to tell you that the curse is turned for you as well. You don't have to have all the side effects. You don't have to have the pain of the labor because that was all part of the curse that was given. When Jesus went to the cross, he loves us women as well. And it is not his intention for us to suffer during childbirth. I was telling them the other night that when I, I didn't have the revelation of it with Terry, Terry's my firstborn daughter, but when my secondborn daughter was coming along two years later, I had the revelation that I do not have to have labor pain, that my body can function in a way that God wanted it to function in and I can give birth to this child but I can do it painless can I tell you I didn't have not one not one not one labor pain 
not one. I had one little sign that had me a little concerned. And so I went to the doctor and she said, go straight to the hospital. Don't go home, get your bag. I, this baby's coming. And so we went to the hospital and we had that child. And I'm laying on the table and uh, they were telling a story about a guy that I went to school with that was murdered. And, and I'm like, oh my God, you know, and I'm listening to this story and I'm all into it, you know. And uh, they just looked at me finally when they're through with their story and they said, if you'll just push, you'll have this child. I said, okay, bloop, here we go, we're done. Wrapped that child up the next day, took her home, amen. And so we don't have to deal with that curse. But here's the thing, just in case, just in case you don't have the faith, there are still epidurals, hallelujah. <laughs> and this mama was thankful the day she got her epidural because she was a little meanie bones there for a little while in that pain. I mean, she was like, fan me. No, don't quit fanning me. Rub my back. No, don't quit rubbing my back. Fan me. And she was just bossy and mean. And by the time they hit her with that epidural, she was like, oh, I can, I can have this baby. Yeah, you can see that on her. Oh, man, I can, I'm just going to tell you how she said it. She said, I can spit this child out. <laughs> so, so why were his hands pierced? Because we used our hands to steal and his hands were redeeming. Why was his side pierced? Because it was the side of the man that the woman came from and the woman created the sin. We were the first one that grabbed the fruit of the tree and talked the man into it. And so he is bringing redemption to us as women because he took the, the hit in his side. But there was another, there's twofold thing that the Lord was doing. The other thing that was Jesus was doing at the same time that he was redeeming us as women, he was also birthing out of his Side, the church, his bride that would come from his side. Amen. So while were his feet pierced, his feet were pierced because of the prophecy that went forth that said that it would be the seed of the woman, that the man would come and crush the head of the serpent. And the enemy wanted to make sure that Jesus couldn't crush his head. So he thought he's being a smart boy when he nailed him down. But guess what? It did not work for him. Did not work for him. So now let's shift back and let's talk some more about the number six. So why would he use the six water pots? The number six in Hebrew is the letter Vav. The letter Vav, the first place it's found is in Genesis chapter 1, and it's where God created heaven and earth. He Vavved it. When man sinned, we broke the letter Vav. And so whenever Jesus is on the cross, and remember in Scripture that it says that in the temple the veil was rent from top to bottom because it was, symbol, it was a symbol to us that God got rid of the separation of, of heaven and earth, God and man. And so God fixed Vav at what, by Jesus dying, okay? And guess when Jesus died? We always talk about he died, he rose on the third day, but that was the third day while he was down in the grave. That doesn't mean it was the third day of the week. Guess what? He died on the sixth day. And so Jesus went and fixed back heaven and earth to where you and I could get the blessings that are created for us when heaven meets earth. Amen. And we're able to have that relationship with the Father again because of Jesus. Amen. Man, if you don't know Jesus, you really need to come to know him. He is the greatest gift you will ever, ever, ever unwrap in your life. I have served him for 46 and a half years, and he never fails to surprise me on a daily basis. He, when he says in his word, he rains his gifts on us every day he gives us benefits, I, I love presents. So I get up every day with my hands like this and say, I just want my benefit today, Father. 
because I'm so loved by you and you love me so much. And I get to unwrap a new part of him on a daily basis because I believe that every day he's going to rain down some special benefit for me. And he so does it. I'm such a spoiled, rotten daddy's girl, and I wouldn't shift it for any reason in the world. So on the sixth day, restoration, reconnecting of heaven and earth is brought to bring the fullness of the kingdom blessings back to our lives again. So today, we just, I just want to just take a look at just a small things about why it is so important to obey. Why, you know, why sometimes people do things and we don't even understand why they're doing Why did they put the thorns on his head? Because God had purpose in it. They don't know that they're obeying God. They don't even care they're obeying God. But God caused it to happen because there was purpose in it. And so anything God is doing or he's asking, there's purpose in it. So why is it so many times that we pray and we're not getting answers? I want to talk about that for just a second. We're about to shift and we'll see what ministry the Lord has for us today. If his glory is going to rise on each of you this year, actually I heard the word the next year and a half, very, very powerful the next year and a half, then you have to be careful what you're doing with it. Because when you go to minister to people and you go to pray for people, you need to hear from heaven before you touch them and you begin to open up your mouth. Take the time. Don't rush things. Take the time and say, excuse me, just a moment. And I just want to stand here for a moment. And you need to hush and you need to listen to the voice of the Lord. Stop making it so hard to hear the voice of God. Listen to me. Stop pressing so hard to get to God in your time of fellowshipping with him, in your time of worship. Stop making the Lord so far away. Can I tell you that so many people right now are overstepping and going even walking over the top of God to get to him because he's nearer than they think. Everything has shifted for you guys. You don't have to travel beyond the Milky Way into the blue heavens and keep going and going and going to get to the throne room of God. God is living in you. He is not going to depart. I don't care if you're a good girl or a bad girl or a good boy or a bad boy because you have committed your life to him and he knows our flesh is frail. He is not moving out of the house that we live in with him just because we fail him. Now, it might be different if we make something a lifestyle, but I'm talking about a mess up. You know, he may have to... To make us, he's never going to leave us, but he may allow us to feel the distance so that we'll turn and get things back right with him. But you have to stop thinking. You have to go beyond the Milky Way and get to him somehow. He is one breath away. He is one step away. He is right here in you. Let me give you a picture. You know those little gingerbread man, little cookie cutter things? I want you to see that image in your mind for a second. Do you know that there's a special place in the heart of God that is a cookie cutter shape of you and you live right in the heart of God? And God loves it. He created the place in him for us to live and move and have our being. It's inside of him. It's not enough for me just to be in his arms. I want to be in his heart. I want to be close to him that I hear his heartbeat. I know what his heart feels. I know what his heart expects of me. But on the other turn, guess what? 
I don't know how the God of the universe, the God that our earth is so big, but yet it's nothing but the footstool of God. I don't know how a God so amazingly bigger than anything we could ever think of. I don't know how on earth a God that can be everywhere at the same time would choose to live inside me. But guess what? On the inside of me is a place in my heart that is a cookie cutter shape that God lives and dwells and moves and has his being inside of me. If you can understand this point of saying, when, when Jesus said, when he prayed, Father, make them one as I am one. Make them one as you and I are one. If we can get that image, maybe it would help that, yes, I am in him, but he is so in me too. There is nowhere I have to go, nothing I have to face that he is not walking it out with me and there with me to give me the counsel that I need, the understanding that I need, the grace to deal with people that I need, the word to annihilate the enemy's voice that I need. He has everything I need inside of me and I'm inside of him. Amen. And so we have to get beyond our concept of thinking that every time I mess up, God moved out. God's not moving out. He's not leaving us. He said he'll never leave us. Amen. And we have to get beyond that. So let's go back to hearing the voice of God. If we pray for someone and we didn't get the will of the Father on it and we pray the wrong thing and the answer doesn't come, who's going to look bad in that? The Lord is. We just made it look like that the Lord is not going to honor his word. We made it look like that it's, he's, he's not attending to his word and it's left as an unanswered prayer. That he didn't have ears to lean in and hear what they said. But if we would have heard the voice of the Lord and we would have prayed according to the voice of the Lord. Listen, I learned this the hard way. You know, I used to always do things out of the flow that I felt that I was in. Oh, no, the Lord has me stop on everything now. No, 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 you're not going to do it because you feel the unction. You're going to do it because you and I have the relationship and we talk about things. We talk everything over. A good marriage, you talk everything over as a husband, wife, even the hard stuff you don't want to talk about. Amen? And so he's a good father. And so I learned it out of, um, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. Uh, my mom, my dad had passed, and a couple of years later, my mom had remarried, and they had been married about six years, and her husband um, got pancreatitis, um, pancreatitis, or what, whichever one it's called, which is why I had the fear thing we talked about with Terry when we were sharing a, a testimony yesterday morning about her, uh, because I watched him die from it. And so for a month, they had him on life support, and we kept believing, and we kept speaking a miracle, and we kept prophesying a miracle, and now he had been on life support for about a month. And I said to the Lord, I said, Father, why won't you move in this situation? What is wrong? He said, well, because all of you have opinions and no one's listened to mine. He said, including you, Kathy. He said, you are praying things, you're saying things, you're believing, you're asking me to do things. He said, Kathy, some things are appointed into death, and you've caused that man to lay there and suffer for 30 days. And he said, it's my desire to bring him home. He said, the reason I had him meet your mother was he didn't know me. He found me through the Lord Jesus, my son. And he said, because of your mother. And he said, his season is up and it's time to come home. And he said, you need to go talk to your mom. 
And so I got dressed. I went to my mom, and I told her what the Lord said, and she shed some tears, and she said, well, then I don't want him to suffer. She said, we're going to let him go. I said, all right, get your clothes on. Let's go to the hospital. So we go to the hospital, and um, we're praying, and we're releasing him to go. Of course, we repented. And, uh, and uh, so uh, he wasn't leaving, and uh, I asked the Lord then. I said, why? And he said, because all this stuff is still hooked up. Have him take it off. So I go and I ask the nurse, I ask my mom first, and I said, can we have him remove it? And she said, yes, if that's what's making him linger, yes. So we have him remove it, and within three to four minutes, he's gone after they remove it. And uh, so I learned a valuable lesson. I learned it the hard way. You know, I've watched uh, another friend of mine that her church kept prophesying over her. She had one of the most unusual cancers that you could ever imagine. And they kept prophesying life on her. And that's just what we do because we love people and we don't want to let them go. It's a loving thing not to let them go. But when their season is up, when their body has got so sick that, that they don't have the faith anymore to turn to get their miracle, it's time to let them go. Because the greatest miracle of all is when we stand before the Lord and we have our complete healing and we're before him. It's what we're created to do. It's to come here and be a blessing to be here, but to spend the next eternity with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and our Father. Amen? And so I don't mean that on a down note, you know, but we need to know how to pray to get answered prayer. We need to pray the things that are in the heart of the Father, not just things because we think it's a good thing to pray. Amen? Because it makes him look bad. It makes him look unresponsive to his word when we're praying and we don't have the word of God on it. So we need to lend the mark for the Lord. And the way we lend the mark for the Lord is know what he's saying, do what he's saying. Jesus said, I didn't do anything, didn't say anything unless I saw or heard my father see or do it. And we have to have the same attitude as the Lord. Why would, why would we operate any different than what he operated in? That's how he operated and functioned. That's how we need to operate and function because we want his glory to rise. So it's a year to obey, even the smallest things, because our obedience is going to cause a transformation. Uh, the obedience is going to cause the transformation to come almost in the way like the water turned to wine. It's in a way that he's going to take our ordinary and he's going to turn it into extraordinary. The word ordinary means with no special distinct feature, just to be normal. You know, it's easy to just be normal. But what God is turning us into in the next 18 months is extraordinary. Extraordinary means very unusual and remarkable. You're going to hear people use those statements about this church. That church is remarkable. It's remarkable. It's remarkable. Amen. So he doesn't want us to be ordinary. Why? Because ordinary is just normal. It's got limits to it. It means that we imitated the rest of the normal and we became the normal. And it means that we took on the limitations of everybody else's normality. Amen. And so God is wanting the lid to come off of limits and he wants things to become limit, uh, no limitations whatsoever. So he wants your disobedience um, to be turned into obeying him because it's going to be the power to drive you over the next year and a half. The next 18 months, I'm telling you, you are going to see God do amazingly great things in you and through your lives out of walking this smallest detail of disobedience. Can I tell you when I was preparing to come here, um, you know, which I think I, he's done this before when I came here. Now that I think about it, I need to quit coming to this church, I guess. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I always pick at them and tell them I hate exercising. I don't like it. The Lord knows I like at least of anything in my life. You know, tell me to go without eating groceries for 45 days. I'll gladly do it. Don't drink water for 15 days. I'll gladly do it. Uh, don't drink your Dr. Pepper that you like so well for the next 30 days. Whew, I'd have to think about that one too, maybe. 
Uh, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'd gladly do it. But the hardest thing for me would, is exercise. And so in order for me to come here and prepare here, he said, you will exercise. And he said, you'll exercise this long. And do you know that I believe in you so much that there's no way that I was going to fail you and not do what he was requiring of me. Because if obedience was the way for you to get where you needed to go, then obedience needed to be the way for me to come deliver the word to release the anointing for you to get to where you need to go. Amen. He's not going to require of you and not require of something from me that came to bring the word from him. Amen. Because that's just the kind of father that we serve. So let me tell you today that I love you. Great things are in store for you. I still believe in you. I know it's been a few years since I've been here, but don't take my silence and my disappearing act from here, meaning I'm not connected to you. I love you, and I believe in you, and I believe in Fort Erie. I believe God has got the best for Fort Erie, for Buffalo, for the Niagara area, for, for Canada area, for America. I believe this is a year even for us to pray for, uh, uh, I'm going to call them what they are, apostle and prophetess, to be released even somewhat from the house from time to time so they can travel and begin to release things that are in them. And I believe we're going to watch some doors open up for them coming up. Um, and they may not have the desire to go, but it's God's desire for them to go. Because what do apostles do? They're sent out. And what do apostles anoint to do? He sends you out. And so many of you will find yourself going in and out of the church. Listen, uh, I had a conversation with someone. I hope you don't mind me using this. I'm not going to call a name. But don't be afraid to obey God whenever and feel like uh, by connecting a business outside of the church is the wrong thing to do. That is apostolic. That is 100% apostolic for you to take out of this church and connect a business. And I'm not talking about you have the two connecting. You know, I don't mean you make your business a part of the church. But don't be afraid because God is not calling you to do something in the four walls and he's calling you to do something something in the marketplace that you're missing God in this season because you're not missing God. Amen. Because that's part of the apostolic anointing on this church is for you to start businesses and become, um, uh, what's the word? What are you? Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. Okay. So why don't you stand? I just want to remind you that it's important to make sure we stay in that place. The Lord was talking about a crying out for him. And not crying out for the rain, but crying out for Him that we talked about earlier. That is such a key as well for us. Obedience is the main factor, but so is loving on Him and worshiping Him. Uh, because it's in His presence that you get words from Him anyway. That you feel the nearness that you need to feel to hear His voice. Uh, and when we let our worship part of our life go down, then we lose that place of feeling the closeness that we need to do to need to have to hear his voice. Amen. And so try to make sure that, you know, you try to spend a little time with him in the beginning part of your day and make sure that the end of your day, you know, really we're taught the method of tithing. Tithing is 10%. Uh, and, and, but I believe God wants 10% of everything. He wants 10% of our life. He wants 10% of our day. And we owe it to him to give him 10% of our day every day. And so make sure you've given him at least that. Uh, really in all, it should be, no matter how busy we are, he should be a part of what we're doing. You know, I'm very busy in, in outside sales and stuff, and I keep my worship going while I'm traveling from this 
doctor's office to the next doctor's office and I'm trying to stay you know because I had this dream when I first started you know how it is you're on a new job and that uh, the newness is consuming your mind because you're having to learn so much and and dig into all that stuff I mean, literally on my job I had to learn the whole respiratory system and not only the respiratory system but how the respiratory system works with the heart and the rest of the body and so I almost had to go to um, uh, anatomy classes to even be able to do this job and so it was just taking my mind so many different directions I tried to get in the presence of the Lord and my mind would be busy 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 and I kept trying to bring it back into focus and I would just struggle and fight trying to keep my focus on him because I didn't want to lose that place with him and um I, I finally I had this dream and I dreamed that I keep pulling off the interstate and I keep meeting the Lord on the side of the road to just hug him and embrace him and kiss his hand or kiss his cheek and I had to get back on the highway and take off again and I told the Lord I said this this off the ramp love affair you and I have going on is not enough for me and I am not living my life I'll give up this job before I give you up amen and so make sure that you're keeping your worship time your own personal time don't wait until Saturday, Sunday mornings to come and worship or Wednesday evenings to come and worship the Lord. We need that. There's nothing like a, a anointed uh, corporate worship, but you need to have your individual time of worship with the Lord and study time with the Lord and just sitting still and listening to the Lord about your life or someone else's life that he wants to bless through you. Amen. And so why don't you stand to your feet and uh, we're just going to wait a second on the Lord. I'm going to make a few declarations, but... Uh, I just want to hear him a minute. So, Father, I pray over your people today. And, Father, I know your word, your word, your word, your word is truth. And we stand today on the truth of your word. Father, I am asking you for great grace to be on this house. Father, in a way that they've never walked in a season of grace before. I release the anointing of grace over this house. I release the anointing of not only grace, but favor over this house in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I decree over this house that a creativity to bring in abundance to them. I say, let it be released in the name of Jesus. Father, I speak over every business that are represented right now in this place and even over Mike that is not here with us. I pray over the businesses and I speak a release of the abundance because, Father, they are in the season that you are getting ready to generate the power to bring in wealth. And so, Father, I speak to the wealth. I speak to the vault of heaven. And I say, be released in the name of Jesus. And Father, I'm not just calling for money, but Father, I want to call as well for things of the Spirit. Father, let your gifts of the Holy Ghost rain down on this house liberally. Father, I decree over this house, it will be a house that will function under the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, liberally, liberally, not only in the house, but outside the four walls of this facility, Father, in Jesus' name. Father, I release creativity of production. Father, in the arts, in the music, 
Father, I know you've already done a great thing in the album that was made back in the fall or produced in the fall or released in the fall. But Father, I decree over the praise and worship team an anointing of productivity, of creation and arts and all of the different things, Father God. Father, let new sounds of the heaven come forth. Father, let new words from the heavenlies come forth. Let even new phrases be birthed, Father God, uh, from the heavenlies to this worship team, God. I decree and declare it by the authority of the name of Jesus. Father, I decree that this is a year that your church is going to find their feet in places they've never stood or never dreamed they would stand in. Father, I pray that doors are opening, Father, that their feet will carry them in through the new places and the new openings of things that you have desired them to walk in. Father, I say this is the year for it. So, Father, open up, open up, open up, open up the great effectual door that you have designed for such a time as this for this house. Father, I speak to every Kairos moment that you have set in time for them over the next 18 months that you will not allow them to miss the Kairos moment. I pray that you would give them spiritual eyes to see, spiritual ears to hear. Give them dreams and visions, Father God. Let them have an anointing this year, Father, to hear from you in a way they have never heard more from you before. Father, I decree in Jesus' name they won't miss their seasons and their times that you have set in place. Father, I know that Kairos moments, you even from the foundation of the world have spoke out of your mouth and you've released them for certain times. But Father, I know what your word says. They are in accelerated season of even doing away with the process of time. So Father, I decree over this house that expectation rises in this house to a whole nother level. Father, I say let faith rise, let it rise, let it rise, let it rise over this house and the visitors even that are here in a new way in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for the gifts and the talents and the anointings. Now, Father, just reach in. Reach into their spirits and pull them forth into the now, God. I decree and I declare it by the name of Jesus. I say to this church, be prepared to not fail. Be prepared in this season to not fail. I say, as Jesus said one day, that the gates of hell cannot prevail against my church. And for 2,000 years, we've been prevailing. I'm here to tell you, I don't care what devil comes after you. I don't care what assignment from, hit, uh, from, from hell comes at you. I'm here to tell you, the gates of hell cannot prevail against this church. And what God has called this church to walk in, I say your failure is not possible in the name of Jesus. It is impossible for you to fail in this season because God's grace goes before you and He is setting out uh, victories for you already in your future. I'm here to tell you that any weapon that the enemy forms against you, your mouth is going to bring it down by the authority of the name of Jesus. No weapon formed against you will prosper in Jesus' name because it is not an option. Failure is not an option in the name of the Lord. That demon that keeps whispering in your ear, don't do this, don't do this because you could fail. I'm here to say with Terry today, all forms of lies, we say be released from this place in Jesus' name. We release you from your assignment. Go back to the pit of hell with it. Raise your hands with me. Say, Father, I believe you have the best in store 
for me this year. Father, I give you my word. I ask you to grace me. So with my word and your grace, I'm going to move forward in advancing for what you have for me this year. Father, use me. Father, create in me abilities that I don't have within myself. Supernatural abilities. I ask you to create them inside of me today. Father, I will not use the word no when you're asking me to do something for you this year. Father, I will obey you at all costs. Father, when no one else will stand for you, I will stand for you. I will relentlessly stand with you. And will, I will let nothing stop me this year from getting what you have for me. Father, I will be a carrier of your glory this year like never before. I will live my life as pure as I know how to live it so you get the glory from it. I will try to live my life the way Jesus would live it because everything that Jesus did, he brought glory and honor to you. Let my life bring glory to you and honor to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So I want to speak over the young people of the house. And I, I ended up speaking over a little boy the other night. I don't even know his name. I don't even know whose child he was. But he came up to be ministered to. And uh, I remember uh, prophesying over him. And what was released over the younger generation was is that the, it's time for the mantle of Elijah to come to the young Elijahs. And so we really need to watch God move on the young Elijahs this year. Listen, don't just get caught up in worship without getting them involved in worship. The same way we hear and receive words from God is the same way they're going to receive and hear words from God. Don't leave them back there playing somewhere and fending for themselves. I'm not talking about babies, like my baby girl right here. But I'm talking about, you know, our young, our young people, like 7, 8, 9, 10 years old. I know most of the time they're in the back, they have their own church. And do they on Wednesdays as well? So they're very seldom in here. But train them. Train them. Train them to hear the voice of God so they can be used of, of the Lord. So your older Elijahs, help the Elijahs find their place in God this year because God really is wanting to move them forward. I really believe that it's, we're going to watch the younger generation, the ones in the 30s and the 20s and on down the line that are going to lead us in the greatest last day revival we've ever known. They're not going to leave us. They're not going to leave us back there left somewhere because guess what? <laughs> I'm not going to be left. I'm going to be right in the middle of what God's doing, you know, and I'm not going to be left because we can't separate the two. We need the two together. There has to be a joining. You know, I do know that Elijah left Elisha, but it's not going to happen with the last day church. God is going to grace a bridge to come between the older generation and the younger generation. Why? Because the younger generation has the zeal to do it for the Lord. But guess what? Us older moms and pops have the wisdom that you need to help guide you. And so don't get attitudes when the older ones are not telling you what you want to hear and they're saying that that's not of the Father for you. Submit to it. 
There is power in submission. It doesn't feel good to submit because it, it, you have to humble yourself to submit. And our, our, our pride sometimes doesn't let us submit, you know. But know that we have to. We have to because there is power in submission even when we don't understand the reason why sometimes. So, house, I bless you with everything in me. I bless you today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't wait to come back. And when I come back, I know when I look at you. I know even before I get here that I'm going to come and dress a whole different church because I'm going to have to bring myself to a higher level or I'm not going to meet you where you are. Amen. Because God is going to take you to new heights and to new dimensions in Jesus' name. So get ready to move up. Get ready to go out. Get ready to do everything God's called you to do for such a season as this. I feel as the Paul Apostle addressing you in my closing. And I say, do everything God tells you to do. Perform everything God tells you to do. If the Lord came at the end of this year, then go meet the Lord and, and go to Him empty-handed. In other words, getting ready, getting, uh, getting everything out of your hands that God said that you would do in your lifetime, do it. Just do it do it for him and meet him with nothing left to do because you did it and he says well done that good and faithful servant